Welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. Uh, Colin Smith, excited to be here. So hype. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've had time to process. Mike is also here. Los Boring Boys got dropped off the reaction pod. So Bo- excited. So excited. And, you know, we may be the Boring Boys, but goddamn, the reaction pod was had the energy of a, a sleeping toddler. <laughs> we were, there were three sleeping toddlers on that pod. So it was, that's, that's appropriate. It was, I mean, if, if we're the boring boys, I don't know what that group was. <laughs> it also, was late night. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, you both were invited to it, and, and uh, I don't know why you couldn't make it. You were already Mike, asleep or whatever. Mike but probably not invited to it, actually. I, Mike I was on radio silence. I don't think I was invited. I don't think I was invited. You know, that's fine. Just another pod I wasn't invited to. Just, mm-hmm. you know, joins the long line of pods I haven't been invited to. That's fine. Yep. <laughs> uh... I couldn't make it because I was on a, a little getaway with the wife. Uh, so Friday night, checking into the, the hotel, um, waiting in line to buy a six-pack of beer behind just a really not efficient cashier as um, Christian Pulisic is scoring his goal. I'm refreshing Twitter as fast as I can to get a video of it and then celebrating and fist-pumping in line at the, uh, at did, the hotel. Did you, just, did, you crack, did you crack the beer in line as you were refreshing Twitter? Like, that would have been such a good move. Over everyone. Like, I'm, I'll still pay for this, but I yeah. need it now. So yeah. I'll just, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't. I should have. That would have been really good. Uh, a really fun thing about going away when you've got a four-year-old, leave the four-year-old with uh, TT and Bampa, you come back 48 hours later to find out what new things he's learned. Like, what, how is my child totally different than I left him on Friday? Uh, so he learned how to play chess. So that's a net positive. Nice. Uh, and, and like really good, impressively good at it. Uh, and the other new thing he's doing is stomping around the house yelling, Mission accomplished. Mission <laughs> accomplished. <laughs> well, we are no apparent reason. Yeah, okay, George W. Bush. Yeah, here. I was going to say weird George Bush vibes. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but. Uh, very interesting how a person can change in 48 hours. They change so fast. It's uh, wild. Uh, Mike is in Minneapolis. What's going on, Mike? We, uh, man, I, I mean, God, I just want to say, I mean, sports are just so, so difficult, so painful. And it is so rare to watch a sporting event and come out on the other side just so happy in all facets of the viewing experience. And I just feel like I'm still, I'm still riding high. And then to top it off, uh, my wife and I were eating dinner tonight. Uh, and my wife just looks at me and goes, I'm not sure if I want to have more pizza or have some ice cream. And I just thought, is this the best moment of my life? <laughs> I mean, what a question to be asked. With, there is no bad answer. Plus, USA, Mexico, still riding high off that win. I just thought, God, I don't know if it's going to get better than this. I agree. That, that sounds amazing. I mean, there's also that the uh, the why not both meme, which I feel like is yeah. applicable. Yeah. Well, I mean, in some ways we did because she went for more ice cream or she went for more pizza and I had ice cream. So, you know, everyone the won. That's there's, amazing. There's more pizza tomorrow than I'm going to eat for lunch. It's just uh, the hits keep on coming, baby. I <laughs> love it. It's a good life. It's a good I fucking life. love it. Amazing. Uh, and Colin is in the swamp. 
recovered I, from uh, drowsy toddler reactions. Yep, yep. I, loving being on two pods in one weekend. It's, <laughs> it's unprecedented for me, I think. Uh, it's amazing. It's wonderful. I'm so happy. Very, very happy. Pep happy. And my, uh, Mike, I can relate very much to what you just said today. Um, I have the same feeling about, especially about eating uh, food, right? That you're like, I, I'm an adult now. I can choose what I want to eat all the time. And sometimes yeah. it's this, and then I just get it. And it's wonderful. No one tells me I have to stop. Uh, my uh, infant loves watching me chew. So sometimes I'm like, <laughs> and crunchy things that are the best. So sometimes, like tonight, I'm like, Carrie, he's a little grumpy. Let me, let me take him. Let me take him. I go in there, and I make myself nachos, really good nachos, in the oven, crisp yeah. nachos, you know? Mm. And, mm. and I eat nachos in front of him and make him happy, and I make me happy. And, it's, and then I'm, I'm a Everyone's hero. happy. And I'm like, I turn the baby around. He's happy now. Don't worry. Uh, also, I am full and happy. And uh, that's, that's just a great feeling. That's a great and feeling. Then you like, let me just solve this with nachos. Let me just solve yeah, this with nachos. By me eating nachos by myself. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go into the kitchen where this is less obvious what I'm doing. But what I'm actually going to be doing is eating nachos and drinking a beer in front of the to- uh, front of the infant, and I'm going to get credit for that. <laughs> Love it. Incredible parenting. I'm trying to think of other things that would be amazing things for infants to love watching you do that would just be perfectly, perfectly, you know, selfish. Scrolling uh, through Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He does... The infant also does love a good, uh, colorful screen. So uh, he has been watching some games with me recently. There you go. There you go. Get them early. Excellent. Uh, We had a suggested warm-up. This came out of an email from Spencer, I believe. Uh, His proposed warm-up, who is the best player you have ever played with, excluding Landon Donovan? This feels targeted, Spencer. I'm not sure why we're excluding Landon Donovan. Uh, it feels biased to just choose that random person to exclude from this game. It would be great if the, Dan just uses this as an opportunity to drop the time he played with like Leo Messi or something. <laughs> oh yeah, did I tell one you level better? That? Yeah. I mean, I could see it. Like Dan, you. Uh, hopefully, this isn't chinchilla, but you you lived in a location where a lot of famous people kind of come through. I know you've had some run-ins, uh, not on the soccer field, but with very famous athletes. And so this, yeah. this wouldn't be out of the realm. I was a club promoter in Ibiza. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> classic. It's a classic move. You go from club promoter yeah. in Ibiza to podcaster, a uh, part of a group, a subgroup of a podcast called The Boren Bors. <laughs> yeah, he used up all the excitement in Ibiza. Yeah, that was it. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think I've played with anyone better than Landon Donovan. Uh... So number but, two on your you list know, is? Number two on my list is probably a guy I played with in, in college. Uh, are we dropping names? I guess. Nathan yeah. Knox. Drop you can him. look him up online. Uh, he played for the Minnesota Thunder for a long time and kind of like in the USL for a while. Uh, so like hacked it as a pro for a while. That's a pretty good professional. I mean, that's a pretty good soccer player, even if it's very low levels. Uh, he, was a, he was a very good Division three soccer player. So uh, that's probably that the person. That's good. Uh, Thank you. Colin, I feel like you've got a bunch, so I'll let you go first. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a bunch of good players that I played against, actually. Mm. Mm. 
being they on were my scared own of team. you, scared of playing yeah. with you, that personality. You <laughs> I think we'll count it. I think stepping on the same field will count that. All right. Well, I'll I'll, let, I'll answer it both ways. So the best player I put against then, or the best resume for sure is Jeremiah White, uh, who I unsuccessfully marked I think twice in Philadelphia Cricket League. He has maybe like one or two U.S. Men's National Team appearances. Was a pro in Denmark, and when I was playing with against him. He had just kind of like bombed out of MLS. I believe he last had been playing for the Revolution. I'm sure uh, Dan's Wikipediaing all this right now to verify my uh, whatever. Yeah, statement. I actually just remembered it. Probably a better player than Nathan Knox that I stepped on the field against. So yeah, but uh, I'll so come back yeah, to this it. guy just like sick athlete was and was still like I don't know in his early 30s and when I was in my mid 20s and uh, I mean 10 times the athlete as I was. Uh, so he could do whatever he wanted, but it, it was an 11 v 11 situation. So mostly what he did was run by everyone whenever he wanted and smash the ball into the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, he had two appearances for the New England Revolution in 2012. Uh, the club with which he had the most appearances was AGF Our House Gymnastic Forening. Mm. That's a good, good club me in Denmark, right? Is is this is that the R House that is the R House or yeah. is there our yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a good Denmark sure. club then. Yeah. I mean and, and you can see like he, uh his game is hundred percent athleticism. So like once that falls off then he's like, Oh, never mind. You're just then he has to go run by you you just gotta find a lower league. yeah, you have to find a lower level of athlete to run past. Um, <laughs> turns out no problem. Men's league yeah. is still oh, really yeah. good. No problem, no problem, dude. Uh so he's the best I played against. I played with on that team. Like most other guys on that team were played Division One, um, but none of them. One guy played uh, like you're saying, Dan, at the USL level. That would be mm-hmm. Zach. Uh, what's Zach's last name? Fuck. Um, but he was like a beast in the midfield, like old dude. Uh, but literally, like I could. I played a lot of futsal with him. He played for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. I remember that. He's from Pittsburgh. And uh, I played futsal with him, and he wanted to in futsal. He could keep the ball away from me infinitely. Like, (laughs) he's a big guy and has really good feet, and he could just shield me forever, like, seriously forever. Um, But he didn't play like that. Obviously, in in those kind of games, he, like, you know, tries to do shit the entire time. So, whatever. You take the ball from him all the time. But... um, I'd say that's that's also another besides the ability to run by you uh, thing. That's like another thing that people who are way better than us like. Uh, that's a, an obvious skill where you're like, oh, this guy's really good. Like he can, if he wants to take eight touches, he'll he'll have eight touches. Thank you very he'll much. He'll just yeah, yeah. <laughs> or he'll do it in one touch. Doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, exactly. He he gets to choose. He, I don't get to choose. He gets yeah. to choose. Yeah. You're just there to watch. Um, My other player, I forgot. Sorry. Was Danny Mwanga, who oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I played against in an indoor, I think I've told this story on here before, uh, played against him in an indoor tournament, got tired of him running around everybody, so just decided I'd do that old man fat boy thing where you just try to crush him to like somehow teach him a lesson. Did that, and he just, he probably weighs almost half of what I do. I ended up on the ground hurt somehow, and he scored a goal. So he just uh, saw it coming from a mile away and was like, yeah, oh, exactly. He's like, this fat, is fat man's gonna come try and crush me. To before. I'm just gonna give him the old Mwanga shoulder. <laughs> exactly. Which again is just like the level of difference between like a washed out pro and like what we think we are. Yeah. Uh, is miles and miles apart. Washed out non pros. <laughs> 
washed out was garbage to begin with. Yep, yep. Um, so play, coming up, so I, I grew up in the D.C. area uh, around the same time as, as Freddie do. And so uh, I don't actually remember playing against him, but I remember playing against his team in a tournament and then figuring out a couple years later when he kind of blew up. Because, uh, like, his team, they were called Potomac Cougars, I think. And they were, like, the best team in the area. And we played against them in some tournament and got crushed uh, when we were, like, 10 or 11. And then, you know, a year or two later, there was, like, a story about him in Sports Illustrated. And we're like, oh, I guess I guess we played against that guy. Uh, but don't really. I mean, you know, he was eight probably at the time, and I was 10 <laughs> or whatever. So it's not like it's not like I really, really remember that. Um but I did. Uh, I played on a seven-on-seven seven team in LA with this this one Wait, guy. Who is the pro- player? I'm, I haven't said yet. Freddie Adu. What? Fre- I mean, Freddie Adu is the the, the, the kid growing up. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. You. But then uh, the the guy I actually remember playing with. Uh, I was playing on the seven-on-seven seven team, and we were we were okay. Uh, and we just had this one guy who was just ridiculous, and mostly he would just kind of chill. And then we got in the playoffs. And there were other teams that were better than us. And he was just like, all right, just give me the ball. I mean, he didn't say that as much, but he was just like, every time I got the ball, he would score. And we were all like, okay, let's give the ball to Chad. And so at some point I was like, who is this guy? He's like, he's very good. Uh, And his name, I had to look him up because I only played with him one year. His name is Chad Borak. He got drafted uh, in MLS in 2010. And then I don't think ever made a roster. But um, yeah, he just literally would get the ball, we'd all get out of the way, and then every player on the other team uh, would just basically try and hack him down, and he would usually <laughs> score. I think we lost in the finals of our league, like, 9-8 to eight in a little 7-on-7 seven seven league, and basically, at the end of the game, he just ran out of steam, and the other team scored more than us, and I felt, <laughs> I felt, I felt pretty bad. He just got tired of playing all alone. I think he just literally got tired because it was like, you know, 60 minutes or however long a seven on seven game is of just us like giving him the ball 50 yards from goal (laughs) and him just trying to beat like six dudes and shoot. (laughs) And you can only do that so much and also play defense. Cause again, like I think it was, you know, our team was okay. And we were playing against a bunch of other like good D one players who he knew. And then it was him for some reason on our team, but just, just trying to dominate. He was, he was quite good at soccer. That's great. There you go. Those are the best players we've played with. Uh, there have to be some listeners that have played with very good people. Uh, Keevan, obviously, uh, was an accomplished amateur soccer player. Must have some folks. Yeah, uh, I think Keevan's Keevan's is uh, Toussaint Ricketts, who yeah, played for uh, yeah. TFC. A successful MLS. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean he must have played against a bunch of really good players just being on a, yeah. a D-run roster. I feel, yeah, I feel like the question of against is like, I don't know. It's just what kind of league you played in, or something like that. You you had some kind of one game you you played against. Like my Jeremiah White has nothing to do with how good I was, or like yeah. I whatever. mean, none of this has to do with how good we are, though. Really, I mean, that's true. No. That's true. But uh, if they're on your it's team, just like, they made are some you in the right place on the right time? Yeah, yeah. They What's made the some... most ridiculous situation you found yourself yeah, in? Yeah, I guess that's true. But like, it's, whatever. I don't know. The guy yeah. Zach I'm talking about, like, is a guy I used to play pickup with, and then futsal one day a week, and like play with him on the weekends, like play with that guy a lot and so then you like i don't know you understand what it's like to play with that kind of player more um like your boy uh you're i mean i don't know how often he he dribbled through people or whatever but playing with a really great player all the time like 
yeah, I mean, it's more fun, obviously, but also, like, you get to appreciate their their level or their difference to your level more than just, uh, I don't know, Jeremiah White is, runs a 4 440 and I run, a, at that point, a 5-2. And it's like, okay. Yeah, that's game over. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Carson's I, played soccer at a high level. He's got to have yeah, some Yeah, he's got to have some good ones. Yeah. 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 I, I will say, I feel like um, th- this question was from Spencer, right? He kind of he's yeah. like talking about some of his friends, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, my friend Nate was like Vardy," and um, I mean, whatever, that's fine. But I remember playing with this kid uh, growing up, uh, whose name was Pierre, and he was just like a touch above everyone else. We basically like you would just kick the ball at him, and he would just bring it down, and we're like, "Okay, yeah, this guy's." And he he ended up playing D one, I think at UMBC, which is like a decent level. But like, it is interesting how like pretty early on you can tell like okay yeah these these couple guys just have it and yeah like you you don't quite yeah. have it dan one you you and i both might know is uh west west matthews who is from the madison area and yep uh obviously has like what, a 15 year nba career but was also like uh at his age level which is my age level uh yeah the he was like whatever the probably the best soccer player in wisconsin at some point or whatever but was like that, a touch above everyone else, but just because of yeah. athleticism. He was very good. Yes, that's right. Uh, there you go. That's what we got. Uh, emails, Mike, what do we get this week? Emails. All right, Dan, I think you've read through a lot of these emails more than I have. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit some of the highlights early on and then, and then pass it back to you. Okay, that's uh, fine. So the first email is from Pedro. This is Friday morning, so this is pre-USA Mexico. Uh, he was listening to last week's pod. He says he had an epiphany. Diego Lainez is the Mexican Joss Sargent. Um, I mean, wow. that's That feels very harsh on Diego Lainez, but maybe accurate. Colin, you're smirking. How do you feel about this? I feel like Josh Sargent hasn't done enough to become Diego Lainez. Yeah, exactly what you're <laughs> saying. Uh, they, and then also, Josh Sargent is getting minutes that Diego Lainez is not. right. Like He's on the bench, I think, mostly at uh, Betis. Um, both not producing. I'll see, I'll give you that, Pedro. But uh, they're not one to one for me. But uh, there's I mean, similarities. Josh jo Sargent does have like f- several, like more than one top flight goals. Just not this year. <laughs> yeah, that definitely true. Josh Sargent has a buckets full compared to Diego Linez. Yep. Yep. I was I was gonna say that that seems unfair to Linez because. He's only 21, and, you know, Josh Sargent has been disappointing us for so many years. I figured he was, like, 24. Sargent also only 21. Yeah. So, yeah. Still many more years of disappointment for both of them. <laughs> it's, it's all in front of us. That's right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, it really doesn't matter. Diego Linus, like... There's, there's just nothing that's stopping this USA juggernaut going forward. That's how I'm feeling now. Josh Sargent is the new Bobby Wood. Don't compare him to, to anyone else. That's good. I like that. Um, Bobby right. Wood was useful. <laughs> Didn't score Arsh. goals, though. Josh, Josh Sargent is a useful lower half Bundesliga striker. Guys, wh- why are we spending this, this moment <laughs> talking about Josh Sargent? I mean, Great come point. on. Great point. Can we, this moment in time. Let's, can let can we talk about okay. the happy things like just how Diego incredible... Linus. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> just just talk about how great Tim Way is and just how there was a lot of haters on this podcast who thought Tim Way is not very good and I wasn't one of them. So uh with that with that, Dan, I'll pass it back to you and you can run the rest of this podcast. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, Soccerthread at gmail.com. Pedro also sends a picture of um, Beard from Ted Lasso at the U.S.-Mexico uh, game the other night. That was very good. Uh, so thank you, Pedro. A nice email from Eric uh, in Amsterdam. Thanks, Eric, for getting back at us after a little while off. Uh, he got up at 3 a.m. to watch this game. So we had a late-night reaction pod. But can you imagine, like, what does the rest of your day look like if you get up at 3 a.m., watch this game, you're absolutely pumped, it's 5 a.m., and you're like, well, now I got to, you know, I got 16 hours ahead of me, or, like, what am I doing now? <laughs> There's like, a midday nap in that I mean, day. Yeah, I was going to say, it has to include getting an early cup of coffee, probably going for a walk, maybe a little whiskey in your coffee, and then there's got to be a crash. There's got to be a crash at some point. That's true. It, was, it should have been Saturday morning, at least. So it's a good mor- early morning. You've got time for a nap there, yeah. Uh, Eric's got a few thoughts. Uh, what are the odds that the U.S. would win another World Cup qualifier against Mexico at home with the same score, dos a cero? Uh, Colin, I feel like you're our odds person uh, on the podcast. It, it seems, I mean, 2-0... Not an uncommon score in soccer. I think the most common score might be nil-nil. Uh, you start doing all these iterations. Uh, like, to keep rattling these off, it's, it's kind of crazy. I think the most common score line is 2-1. Uh, that's, not, that's not what you asked me. It is kind of crazy. Um, definitely, it's got to be like, whatever, 10% chance tops that you get 2-0 uh, as a specific score line. Like, the odds on that are... Are pretty low because uh, there are many uh, possible common score lines. Uh, it is pretty crazy, but on the other side, like uh, on the balance, uh, the U.S. Whether we, whether we are optimists or pessimists, like U.S. wins most of these games. Most common winning score lines are probably one zero two zero two one and three one probably. So, you know, I don't know. This is good Los Born Boys content. It is Los Born Boys content. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this question. It's, yeah, it's, rare. I mean, it's crazy. I don't know what you want. The, it's basically all these games, in my memory, are the same. The U.S. scores at some point, usually kind of second half-ish, and then Mexico pushes and we get a goal late. It's never like, oh, we scored two goals in the first 15 minutes, and then it's like a battle. It's always the same, and that's fine. But it's just like, there's no, you know, it's, I mean, it's not that there's no point in drawing, but there's... There's no point in trying to just hold off for a 1-0 loss if you're Mexico. They're always going to push. And then, you know, we have good players and athletic players, and we can score on counterattacks. And I feel like that's what happens every time, and it's beautiful. I love it. More of it. I mean, I would say that this time there wasn't really a counter, but yeah, whatever. Your point is sure. well taken. But, I mean, it's just, you know, whatever. Yeah. They're, they're, I did they're watch committing all the players goals. forward. I did watch all the goals from all, all the two, the Dosas Arrows, and there was – Especially in the early ones, there was a lot of one-on-ones with the Mexican keeper. Like, one-on-ones from 40 yards out. Where you're like, I just don't feel like there's that many of these anymore where it looks like an MLS shootout. The guy, like, not a one-on-one where he's, like, running onto the ball and might get a touch. It's like, no, he's going to get three touches before he gets to that keeper. Um, That offside trap is broken. Uh, or they're just camped in our half and somehow we spring it. Right, right? exactly. Like, yeah, and you're just like, boop, boop. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. God. Uh, footystats.org says that 2-0 happens 7.3% of the time uh, to the home team. So uh, you raise that to the sixth power or whatever. It's, it's very unlikely, but 
Uh, it's the sixth most common scoreline, according to footystats.com. 1-1 one, one is apparently the first most common, but there you go. Um, next, Eric says, uh, Weah was great. Zimmerman and Steph in close uh, seconds for best. Uh, he really liked Yedlin. I think you guys covered this basically on the Reaction Podcast. I, I, one of my favorite bits of the Reaction Podcast was when you guys were trying to you, basically say, like, okay, but who else, who else? And it was like... The 11 guys on the field all played their part, right? Like, name any person on the field. They did great. They did a good job. I mean, that is true. I I would say Pepe Pepe was, like, one guy who I didn't think looked great. But whatever. Doesn't matter. But Weah was just so good. And he really showed, like, what he has that I don't think... Even, like, Pulisic has a different skill set of just a guy where you give Weah the ball one-on-one and he's going to be dangerous. And that's what I love about him. I love guys on the wing, especially who are fast. And that is Wea. And you can give him the ball in space. He can put in crosses. He can take shots. He can go at players. And he was just like, Mexico just didn't know what to do with him. And I feel like for me, you know, when Gio Reyna comes back, he's going to have to take that spot away from Wea because I think Wea offers something that Reyna doesn't have that this team really needs is like, that kind of outlet player, that guy who's a good counterpart to a Reyna or a Pulisic. So you can't just, you know, shift all your defense over there. And like, for me, like Wea has just been kind of not a revelation because I think we all kind of knew what he could do, but just when you compare him to, you know, someone like Aronson on the other side of the field, who's a, a decent player, but like for me, Wea is just a, a cut above and yeah. I love that man. Yeah. I So, I am someone who, if we're all, if we've already talked about our own athletic careers, but I played cornerback and outside back in football and soccer. And in both situations, you get into one-on-one matchups with someone in space. And there are situations, right, like as a defender, both of those I'm playing defense, uh, where you're like, you fuck up, and this guy goes back to his it's team gone. and is like, give me the fucking ball. Yeah. And you're just like... That, at our level of soccer, it's harder, I feel like, to isolate somebody like just because we have less control of the ball and less ability to like shape the tactics because we're more shit. But at this level, it was just like, way it was, this Gallardo, I think, was the name of their outside back, but he was just garbage. He had no chance against Whale. And you could say like, over and over again. And it was just so easy for our midfielders to just whatever, who Musa or somebody like that, be like, all right, let me just like beat my guy a little bit. And then I know I just get the ball to Wea, and that's positive. Like we're good from there. We're, we're going to create Also, he seems so sharp to me. Like every time he gets the ball, some it's, it's going to happen and it's going to happen a little bit faster than it yeah. seems like even we are anticipating. Um, you know, like the, I almost feel like the most common outcome of Wea getting on the ball and, Full disclosure, I was, you know, on my getaway weekend, so I did not watch all of this game. But in general, watching him, he gets on the ball and he, like, will send in a driven cross that everyone's still three yards behind, right? Like, nobody quite really dedicated themselves. And Pulisic did for the first goal here. He got across early and found that cross with his head, right? Uh, so, I, I don't know. The thing yeah. for me is is just that, like, way our college soccer coach used to say, believe in him, right? Like risk that roll the dice, make that run, believe that whoever's on the ball is going to do the great thing that you have in your head, be on the other end of it and be ready for it. Cause then it's a goal. And it just feels like when way is on the ball, 
everybody's got to be believing, believing in him because yeah. it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. And and uh, the thing Greg said about Wea, Greg Borhalter, that is I have first name basis with him. Um, <laughs> but the th- that he said about him is that he's very much a confidence player, and that he had a bad game against Panama, and okay, and he had to like kind of talk through it and be like, put that behind you, blah blah blah. But obviously, when he sees a matchup he likes, like this this game, I mean. He has the confidence that when he gets on that ball, he's going to, he's like, yeah, he's going at you and at you and at you because he knows he can do it, right? It's so it's, yeah, it's a positive feedback loop in either direction. Yeah. Uh, Eric points out that sometimes you get a win in soccer. Wins are very noisy. Soccer is a very noisy game. Uh, a win can paper over the big cracks in a team's overall performance. Not the case here. We really were the better team on the night. Um, and actually, this goes back to another conversation you guys had on the reaction pod about is the U.S. better than Mexico? We've got three wins, right? Like not only were our stats better on the night, but like three competitive wins in the last four months or whatever it is. Like this is the first time be happy. This is the first time I can remember where we've beat Mexico and I've been I've left the game being like we were definitely the better team, you know, and. Like in all in all facets of the game, not that, you know, there's not another uh, like scenario where this game like, you know, Mexico scored some of their early chances they win. But if you just look at how the game played out, like we were better in all facets. We defended better. We controlled the midfield more. We attacked better. And I don't think I've ever felt that way before. Usually it's like, you know, we we counter well, we do some things well and we kind of squeak a victory. We do well on set pieces. But this game really felt like even compared to the two games we had over the summer, just like a totally different level and just everything kind of clicked. Um, and maybe that this is just a fluke, but it's, it feels like it, it might not be just knowing how many young players we have. And I don't know. I just, I feel so enthusiastic and so uh, optimistic about the future that like, maybe, I don't know. There's just, there's been a feeling like, why why don't we dominate teams more like in CONCACAF, you know? Like so, these are these are teams that are not very good. Um like why why aren't we dominating more? And Mexico, I mean, you talked about it on on Friday, like Mexico plays very differently than every other team in CONCACAF. So you can't compare this to a way at Panama or whatever. But to me, this is the kind of performance that we need and if we if we do this, we just steamroll teams. But it's a totally different beast playing Panama at home, right? Where they're going to sit in. So you can't you can't steamroll in the same way, right? The same set of skills doesn't produce the same result. Uh, and so that is a... Th- I don't know what the answer to that is. Like, yeah. it's I, great. Like, we always say about great players that they are great because they have the ability to be very, very good even in their worst games, right? They are consistently the best player on the pitch. So for the U.S. men's national team to be good, to be great, you know, a nice result against Mexico is great, but, like, can you do it against a team that's bunkering in, that isn't trying to press you, that doesn't leave space between their defense and their midfield? Uh, And it's a very different, it's just a different ask. And I'm, I mean, we'll see. Jamaica, have we turned a corner? I think our next game will be the first kind of chance we get to see whether... Uh, there's something sustainable or something larger going on, or if this was like a great result that set up well and we played, you know, we executed and and great, or if it's really more than that. 
I mean, I, I, I agree. I think there's also like the mindset of, of going out and wanting to dominate and not just like going out and wanting to get draws at Panama or whatever. And then I think, I mean, again, Colin, you guys talked about on Friday, like Burhalter for all of his faults, he did get his tactics right this game. Like one thing that I noticed and I don't know shit about tactics is like how much Pepe did to shield um, Alvarez and take him out of the game when Mexico had the ball. Like that was very clear that they're like Pepe cut off, like don't let them get the ball into Alvarez. And so that's not a particularly difficult tactic to get right, but like sometimes it's that simple. And I don't think Greg has always gotten it right, but this time he did. So can we take all this momentum and and keep it rolling both on the coaching side and the playing side? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll find out coming up. So I pulled up, we, I think talked a couple of podcasts about um, the ELO tables and the ratings and trying to use them as a way to decide what games are difficult, what games are easy, who's favored, et cetera. Uh, we took 25 points from this game against Mexico at home, uh, which is our biggest w- net positive so far. Uh, the away win at Honduras was the, uh, the other big one, plus 22. We, over the entire, uh, it's not the hex, the octagonal so far, are plus five points. So basically getting the results that we would expect to get. Uh, Mexico are minus 18. Canada plus 41. So Canada playing better now than they would have been predicted coming into the hex. Um, We go to Jamaica and are favored to win this game, actually. Uh, Colin, do you buy that? I mean, you like to talk about how difficult away games are in CONCACAF. We just had this great game. We're missing some players. What is this Jamaica game set up for U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I think that if those, I mean, this is me being, maybe getting a little uh, messy on the analytics or like into the weeds, but like that ELO or whatever over, like kind of overrates your form. It uh, doesn't take into account, like, who's playing in those games and blah, 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 and, you know, the situations of... Like the actual players. The players, lineup, right, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just what happened. So, uh, yeah, Jamaica's been on a poor run, so they're relatively rated low versus what their, you know, regress to the mean kind of thing is. They do have some decent players. They have players who play in the Premier League and things like that. They're not just a bunch of domestic guys. Um, so I, I think they're a better team than... Uh, then ELO would rate them. Um, and I think it's tough to go away in CONCACAF, especially, you know, kind of like in that trap game situation, short rest, blah, blah, blah. Like, you'd like to be coming home for that second leg. So I think it is a tough CONCACAF away game. I think that we can certainly win it. We're certainly the better team. Like, there's no doubt yeah. about that. But yeah. we're certainly more likely to win it than we are to lose it. But I think the most, like, likely result or whatever is a draw. I think that's like the most, you know, you play it 10 times. I think you more, more often get draws than, than either wins or losses. Yeah. I mean, this to me feels like the ultimate trap game. And I think Jamaica's kind of poor form is a little overrated. Like they, they actually, their last three games, they have a home draw against Canada. Pretty good. Away win against Honduras. Hard to win away, even though Honduras is kind of garbage and away draw against El Salvador. Like, that's not that bad. Um, they haven't had that many home games, and we know that there's some talent on that team. The U.S. is going to be riding high. So I'm worried about this game. And I think 
if we can get a win, and especially if we can get a win playing the same way that we played or at a similar level as Friday, if we can do that against Jamaica, that to me is like a really good sign that something has changed in this team. If we get a draw, that's that's fine. It's it's not a bad result. If we lose, that to me means that, you know, the Mexico game was kind of a aberration or, you know, we, we can't always get up for games. And that to me is a concern or would be a concern. So Mexico go to Canada for their next game. Um, this Elo says is a zero, zero, uh, a draw changes hands, zero points in Elo. So the expectation is that Mexico away at Canada is a, an absolute toss up. Um, Mike, do we root for that? Do we want to draw out of these two teams? Mexico on 14 points, USA on 14 points, Canada on 13, Panama on 11. Is a draw good for us if uh, if Mexico go to Canada and do that? Well, before I answer that, I just want to say that I don't think ELO factors in the weather. And apparently uh, the forecast for Edmonton, uh, which is north of Minnesota, like in the Great Plains, but just go 300 miles north or whatever, uh, 14 degrees. For Tuesday night's game. So I think that's going to be tough. I think that's going to be a little tough for Canada. Uh, light snow also forecasted. For, um, tougher for Mexico. Or sorry, for, for Mexico. Um, so I, I would say I would expect Canada to win this game. I personally don't. I mean, I, I think it'd be kind of fun to see Canada win. Uh, but from a U.S. standpoint, I don't really think it matters. Both of those teams seem very likely to qualify. What we really want is Panama who's in fourth to drop points. Um, and they're, I think, home to El Salvador, so they're probably going to win that one. Uh, Edmonton is 1,200 miles from Minneapolis, uh, although significantly west, so I'm not sure how much further north it is. Uh, but it's up there, and it's going to be a cold one. It's cold. Probably, probably gets dark at like 2 in the afternoon there. Uh, Colin, the, in terms of a remaining schedule now, um, Mexico has the easiest again by ELO, not surprising. They're, um, one of the better teams, right? USA and Mexico are the best teams. The U S has the second easiest remaining schedule, Canada, the third, we're one, two, three. Uh, the surprising thing to me is that Panama who are in fourth have significantly harder, right? So, if you line up ease of schedule, one, two, three, we should all be coasting out. Number four, I think looks like they should be dropping off. Do you believe that? Do you take any confidence from that? Third, fourth, and fifth are the key results here at the end of it. Yeah, Mike's right on with that. Like, Panama's the team we need to worry about. Um, I don't take any confidence in strength and schedule shit. Like, there's too much uh, variability or whatever. on These are one-off games, right? Like or not, they're not one-off game, but you know, it's there's just not enough. It's not a thirty-eight game season or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I think the if you're if you're on a root for shit, uh, when you're, I think when you're not uh, sure what to root for, just root for everyone else to draw, because then there's only two points given out in that game. Whereas if someone wins, there's three points given out in that game. So draws are good for us. Uh, hope for those kind of away draws. Hope for those, uh, you know, the Jamaicas and the El Salvadors of the world to to get those points against uh, the bigger teams. But yeah, Panama absolutely the one for us to 
be scared of and, and to circle on the calendar now. And, and just one more strength of schedule thing. Jamaica actually has the second easiest schedule the rest of the way, which I think goes to show like they had a really tough run the first half of the octagonal. And I feel like they might be, they might be in here for a little late run to push for that fourth place spot. Uh, I think I was looking at all this stuff on ELO and gaining a bit of confidence, which is probably foolish. Uh, Panama compared to where they were expected have overperformed. They're plus 75 points from where they would have been expected to be. Uh, they're, Ease of schedule, like I said, is significantly harder than the top three teams. I kind of think one, two, three might just open up here and it might be real comfortable for the automatic qualifying spots, uh, which I kind of hate to say out loud because it feels like it's a big jinx, but it kind of sets up like maybe there's not going to be too much drama here and I'd be all right with that too. That'd be great. Be great. Uh, Mike, what else is happening in World Cup qualifying? All right, who's Dan. in? Who's out? What do we need to know about? We've got we've got a number of teams who've qualified. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of run through them. Uh, Qatar, the, Qatar, they're the host. Germany and Denmark, they were in in October. Uh, since the November windows opened, Brazil, they're the only team that's qualified out of South America. Argentina looks very likely to qualify. Um, France, Belgium, they're both in. No surprise there. Uh, Croatia qualifies today off of a lovely own goal from Russia. Uh, Croatia was playing Russia in kind of a deciding match. Uh, Very muddy looking pitch. And the ball just kind of goes in off like a a Russian knee. And then the player falls down and just gets mud all over him. Just a really, (laughs) a really tough moment for that guy. Uh, He's not going to forget that soon. Uh, So Croatia's in. I know the Palmer family will be happy. Uh, Spain had a similar situation where they needed, uh, at least a draw at home against Sweden. They get a late winner. Uh, so they're in Sweden into the playoffs. Uh, the UEFA qualifying is, is quite confusing. We won't get into that. Um, and then the surprise today, uh, Serbia had to go to Portugal and get a win. Uh, and they score like a 90th minute winner, uh, Alexander Mitrovic, uh, English championship legend, somehow is just completely wide open for a non-jumping header uh, that he thumps into the goal and Serbia are through. Uh, so a lot of, lot of Balkan action today, a lot of partying in the Balkans. Um, How is Mitro only 27 years old? <laughs> How is that possible? I feel like he was a joke you, or like a punchline 20 years, or not 20, 10 years ago. He's, he's the Joss Sargent of Serbia. I mean, what else can you say? He has a great scoring record for Serbia, actually. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's kind of a classic international player um, who just like, the, it doesn't quite come together at the club level. Um, in other news, a very fixy penalty to Ghana in their match against South Africa. Dan, you actually sent this one around. Just the, I don't, was there even a touch? I don't know. Uh, but but yeah. Ghana gets a penalty and now they're, they're not through to the World Cup, but they're through to the next phase and South Africa's out. That was a... Uh, very fixy, very very fixy. Fucking terrible. As as Colin commented, the Concacaf refs have to get trained somewhere. It looks like maybe they're training in Africa. This is uh, just ugh. the refereeing leaves a lot to be desired, and no VAR apparently also in the African qualifying. So uh, the call stands. 
it does make you like, uh, or uh, I don't know. You would never see that in the Premier League. This or just like, or I don't know, the Champions League. Like there is a difference in refereeing quality. As much as like, I don't know, certain refs, Mike Dean or whoever, you're gonna like make fun of and like gripe about. Like he's a lot better than the guys in, in other parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Not not to get out Taylor Twelman, but that was one where you're like, oof, it would be nice to have VAR, and it just makes it a lot harder for that kind of chicanery to uh, to go down. Yeah, that's true. Not saying it's impossible. There, there's a lot of a uh, lot of money, a lot of wheel greasing that can happen, but oof, that was that was tough to see. That's rough. Um. But yeah, all the so all the European groups are going to crown a winner, and all their winners uh, will go to the World Cup. So we'll have a handful more names uh, in the next three or four days. And uh, yeah, I think other than that, all the other confederations are are mostly uh, just kind of going through the process, like Concacaf yeah, over in here. In the thick of it, yeah. There you go. The wrap up. Uh, we can recap and see if there's anything exciting about that next week as well. Uh, see if the big hitters are in or out. See what's going on. Uh, what else we got, guys? I I mean, I just want to give a big shout out to Zach Steffen. I feel like we haven't talked about him. You talked about him a little on Friday, but I mean, he was he was pretty much flawless. And uh, kudos to Greg for starting him. When I think most people, at least who are kind of deep in the the U.S., would say like we got to start Turner. And you know. Stefan was was very good with the ball at his feet. He made some big saves. So shout out to him. Yeah. Credit where credit is due. Uh, Zach Stefan and Greg Berhalter for making that call. Uh, it worked. I bet Greg was... Actually, Greg seems like a guy that spent no time being thankful that it worked. Uh, but he should be thankful that that worked out because otherwise it would have been big trouble for both of their uh, national team careers, I think. Yep. All right, so I got a question for you guys. So... Uh, striker was a position where we kind of had a lot of guys and no one was kind of doing anything. And then Pepe gets one chance, scores a couple goals, and all of a sudden we're like, okay, Pepe's our, our starting striker. And I'm not uh, going back on that or saying, like, Greg should change him because he didn't have a great game, whatever. He's, he's taken that position from whoever was the number one before. Uh, we have a lot of other guys who aren't in right now because they've been hurt, whatever. Uh, Gio Reyna Christian Pulisic didn't start uh, Serginho Dest not here uh, John Brooks not in the conversation right now uh, Matt Turner now maybe having his job taken back by Zach Steffen is there anybody who can parlay this great result and they're like we said everybody on the field played well situation into like like what Pepe's done and being like put your flag into the ground and say okay now this is uh, now way is the right wing and and that's that. Um, is Yedlin back in the conversation? Like legitimately? Like oh, are we going to move Dest around or or is Dest still the first name on the team sheet at right back? Boom. Sorry, Yedlin. Like if he's healthy, he plays. Anybody like that make their case? I mean, so one thing about Yedlin that I I find interesting is he came in to the national team, you know, in 2014 as just a pure speed merchant. Just like, you're the fastest guy in the field. We're just going to put you out there and just chase guys down. You can make a mistake and catch up five yards. And that is definitely not the case anymore. Like, he got beat for pace by Alonzo Davies, who is 
very, very fast, so that's okay. Uh, but then even, I think he was chasing down, I can't remember Chucky. if it was Tecatito or Lozano. I think it was Chucky, but whatever. Yeah, um, yeah but he, he, he didn't really catch up to him. Uh, and so I feel like Yellen's greatest asset is his speed. He's, you know, maybe a, a Jeremiah White type guy, and that he's not getting any faster. And so I think, for me, he's proven he can still be very useful, but you got to think Dest is the number one spot uh, going forward, at least after we get out of CONCACAF. Maybe Yedlin's still helpful, um, you know, away in some of those trickier matches. But for me, the guy who really showed was Walker Zimmerman. I was, like, a little uneasy seeing him in there. I kind of wanted to see Chris Richards. But Zimmerman was fucking fantastic. I thought, you know, Miles Robinson's been our best center back for a while, um, and he wasn't particularly bad. He had a tough red card, but Zimmerman was just excellent. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, shit, maybe Zimmerman is a guy who can be a starting center back going forward. And I wouldn't have said that three days ago. Uh, yeah, you got anybody, Dan? Well, I, I know that you're setting yourself up, so go ahead. Talk about Yunus Musa. Oh, I mean, I'm actually not fully on the Yunus Musa train because I want to be on the Busio train. Uh, <laughs> and I put playing myself against myself. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but Yunus Musa was great. Uh, I do think he brings something different uh, than a lot of guys do. Um, he's so aggressive um, with the ball at his feet, both in that he wants to make positive passes, but also that he's totally comfortable um, kind of, like, doing <laughs> like doing shit that, like, uh, you, like, a good player does when he's the better, best player on the field in a 77 game. Like, receiving the ball from someone behind him and just being like, well, I'm just going to do, like, a little step over type turn here because I, I can. And, like, that will work. I, I, like, I'm that good, you know? And, and the player that's trying to defend me has to respect it because yeah. they know I'm good enough, right? right? Like, yeah. And, and when I, when I want to turn and go, I'll turn and go. Thank you very much. And so... That having that as an 18 year old, super exciting. Like I think his performance was super exciting. Um, I think he's. I think he already was kind of like in the best 11 at, at that spot. Like I don't think Gio Reyna's a, a candidate for that spot. I think Gio Reyna's a candidate for the winger spots. Um, so I don't think he played himself into a starting role in any sense because I, I think he was already the guy we would like to have there. Um, but I think he maybe, you know, is solidifying that spot. So, so uh, McKenney is out against Jamaica, and I think Yedlin is also, and Robinson is. So who do you guys want to see in those three spots, assuming everyone else, we just run it back? Who do you want to see in for those guys who are out? I mean, I want to see Busio. Um, I don't know. I, I think Busio is versatile enough of a player that he can play um, – in any role in the midfield three, he's... So your midfield three then is Adams behind Musa and Busio. Yeah, and I, I think Busio has, certainly has played in, at a professional level in, in any of those three roles. Um, and he's probably the worst, he's probably worst deeper on the field, um, at least unless he's like kind of pirlowing. But he's not like a total ball winner like Adams is. Um, but I, I would like to see Busio for one, for sure. Um, then I think Reggie Cannon would probably be my right back. And who's the other one? Oh, the other center back? I guess Chris Richards. 
Um, I don't. I don't have strong feelings there. I'd love to see Joe Scally. Why not? Oh yeah, Joe yeah. Scally. There's, You're there's right. There's not much. There's not much to lose in this game. You know, like, of course, we just spent 30 minutes saying we want to win. We want to roll on with the momentum. But this is also the perfect opportunity to put in a kid that doesn't know any better. Right. We've talked about like he doesn't know that he should be scared to go away in CONCACAF. He doesn't know that, you know, whatever. Just put him in. Let him play. He's been great. He's been, you were saying, Colin, this workman like just like good German league defender. Like, perfect. Let Joe Scally play for me. Yeah, the the I mean, I've seen some of his like highlight clips and I've seen a little bit of him. But the one thing I keep seeing on Twitter is like after the game, he's very often clocked as the fastest guy in the field or the fastest guy for his team. Huh. And I just mentioned how much I love fast guys on the wings. And so just freaking put him out there like Reggie Cannon's been kind of injured a lot this year. Uh, and I think he's he's a guy who's a solid player, but frankly, seems like he's kind of found his his ceiling and uh yeah would love to see would love to see a little scally in there yeah speaking of joe scally he's exactly got that uh that profile that i was just talking about like ask the question i asked is the reason joe scally is getting all these minutes is because the guy they're starting right back at Gladbach was hurt for the first game scally played and hasn't given up that starting spot since so um that i think does tell you something about uh his performances this, this year, like they're not just not just good enough. Yeah. Flip side of that coin, actually, great team performance all the way across. It means guys that were out of the team, it's now a little bit harder to see their way back in. Even for somebody like Brooks, not in the camp, and these guys are firing in all cylinders. Are there people that it's just looking like maybe that spot on the World Cup roster is starting to look less and less real? I mean, I think... Brooks and to a lesser extent, Reem. I mean, Reem's a lot older and not as good, but like those are center backs who are good passers, but not very mobile, who you don't want in a foot race. And if we're going to be pressing, which it seems like that's what we're going to want to do against better teams, then it's hard to see a, a world where Brooks is in there and it is not a huge liability. And so, yeah, I mean, he's the obvious loser here. And part of why I wasn't that upset to see him dropped out is because it feels like he doesn't necessarily fit in with the strengths of these other, you know, some of these other younger players, which is just being really, really fit and really quick and haranguing people. And, you know, Brooks is like your typical center back who wants to just sit deeper and head the ball away and, right. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, I mean, I, there's, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of names, but it's nobody who were like going to be disappointed that they're not making it. Matt Miazga is another guy who I think like Walker Zimmerman's kind of like taking his lunch money right now. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think Legette is a guy. Like Legette is still who he is, but like the rising tide is not going to rise, raise him. So he's going to be left behind if that makes any sense. Like I still think he uh, makes the roster, but I get what you're saying. If he, if he does, it's, it's very much, uh, yeah, kind of just like because he squeaks yeah. above the yeah. line that has gotten yeah. higher. I mean, right? I think it'll be very telling if he starts on Tuesday, right? Like he started the last game uh, where we were kind of rotating guys out where Weston couldn't couldn't play in Panama. If he starts, that to me means like, all right, Berhalter still really trust him. If Busio starts, that to me is like, okay, well, Busio now is the the first, you know, kind of 
eight off the off the bench, and Legette has lost that spot. Um, so it doesn't mean he can't win it back, and doesn't mean he couldn't lose it if he starts on Tuesday. But it would kind of show who where the pecking order is right now. Yeah, yeah. Rolled on Busio Legette. You feel like one of those guys is probably going to give not make the World Cup roster. Yeah. Very good. What else? Just fucking hyped. Just fucking yeah, hyped. Just fucking Let's hyped. go. I mean, God, eat ice cream, amazing eat pizza, thing. drink beer, have fun. I mean, we did just talk about the World Cup roster as if the World Cup for the United States exists it's and on. nobody questioned yeah. it. Yeah. So there, I mean, it's a, it, we're in a different place. Halfway, right? Seven games, 14 points. That's two points per game. Win your home games. Draw your aways. That's two points per game. We're on pace. We're on track. We're on track. Panama is up overperforming, so we don't have the cushion we'd like. Canada's overperforming, so we don't have the cushion we'd like. But we're there. We're, you know, this team is is a roller coaster, and it, it's terrible for all of our blood pressure, but uh, we're on track. Join us Tuesday evening for the Greg Berhalter out reaction pod. <laughs> exactly. Wait for it. exactly. <laughs> so excited. All right, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. I thought I was wearing the same shirt as Dan, but I'm not, unfortunately.